All right, everybody. Welcome to episode two. Just wanted to thank everybody for the the great response to episode one. It just feels so good to know that that people can relate. And like I said, it's very therapeutic for me to share my story. So thank everybody for that. And again, thank you for joining us for episode two. So with that being said, we know how the last one ended and we are going back to PT. So we are sent back to the PT wing on a Saturday, right? We had that PE was on a Friday, Thursday night into Friday. So Saturday back to PT. And of course, you know, they got to reevaluate you, even though I just left a couple of days before and kind of start a whole game plan again. So at this point, I was doing, I'm going to say doing decent in the grand scheme of things. Looking back on it, it was probably doing great. But, um, you know, just a lot of weakness in the arms and legs. We had that uh, plasma transfusion, if you remember, a week and a half before, two weeks at this point was showing improvement. And so, like I said, we were, we were optimistic. Of course, the blood clot in the lung kind of threw everything for a tailspin, but still optimistic at this point that we can make some progress, you know, post-treatment with the uh, plasma transfusion. Uh, with that being said, you know, we, Monday comes and we actually start working back out with a PT. It's going good. It's, it's, uh, it's not great, but it's, it's definitely not bad. But it was a good, good workout on that Monday. And then, my gosh, Tuesday comes and just a phenomenal workout. Probably the best one I had up to that point uh, as far as workouts go. So best workout ever on that Tuesday. And just so excited, right? You can imagine how uplifting it was for the spirit and, and just our, our hopes that maybe we're figuring things out. That night, having dinner in the hospital room, and then, of course, my wife is back from work, so we're eating together. And uh, after dinner, I, I remember laying there and just started having excruciating pain in, in both arms and both legs. And uh, I would describe it as, as literally like electricity or, or I was saying lightning just shooting through my body. But there was no pattern to it. It was the, the shocks were just random. And they were very intense. I had never felt anything this intense up to this point. As that was going on, again, you know, we have no idea. It's, it's never been anything like this this severe. But I, I remember having to get pain medicine to try to sleep that night because this was going on for hours and with just no break. And, and it wasn't on anybody's radar that something might be going wrong. So we just kind of rolled with it. And finished out the night like that. The next morning, we wake up. I wake up. And, uh, of course, like I said, my wife was sleeping in, uh, on the hospital couches. And, again, bless her. It that's, that's, uh, takes a lot to do that. And I was weaker. So whatever all that electricity was, come to find out the next morning, it was not a good thing. So... I noticed noticeably weaker in the arms and legs. Thank God the pain had subsided to where I was just having uh, fasciculations. I guess for lack of a better description, they're, they're like little spasms. And it's just the muscles 
you know, like I guess muscle spasms on a on a more smaller level, just little bits of the muscles here and there, except you can literally see it jumping through the skin. And I was having a lot of those. And at that point, you know, just complete, I guess, dejection is the, the first word that, that pops in my mind right now. But we were just so down and, and so uh, sad that what progress we had made in the last couple of weeks was all for naught. And at this point is when the doctors also considered that we need to change the diagnosis. So here comes our first diagnosis change. And we went from GBS, which is Guillain-Barre syndrome, to the chronic form of GBS, which is called CIDP, or chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. Never thought I would have to learn that set of words. But hey, here we are, right? So that was, uh, that was the diagnosis at that point. And trying to figure out <laughs> what that actually meant. And the way it was explained to us is that whereas GBS, you deteriorate and eventually get better. And of course, that, that time frame can be long, months, if not years. With CIDP, or in essence, the chronic form of GBS, you don't get as sick, but you can yo-yo up and down. And, yeah, you, you know, you, you lose function or strength for a while, and then it kind of comes back and back and forth, back and forth. And so this is, this is what we're told we have now. A lot for uh, me and my wife to absorb, a lot to just process, because where before we had hope, and prayed that we would get through to GBS and we would, you know, we would come out on the other side, whether that was, you know, three months, six months, or three years, and I could go on and live my life. But now I'm being told that I'm going to have a disease the rest of my life. And uh, that, uh, that was a hard one. But it did, it changed things. So the game has changed. We're now looking at a lifetime of muscular issues and, and paralysis and, and who knows what else. We just didn't even know, have, a, have a, a full scope. And we're going to push through it. So at this point, not that we were losing faith in, the, in our local doctors and hospitals, but we realized that, that things are kind of getting out of hand with their ability to provide the, the adequate care for a case like mine. Because one thing that turned out to be a theme, and I, I could have did without during all of this, is that every doctor that examined me or treated me told me that they had never seen a disease, or at least what we thought we had at the time, that disease behaved like that. And even after we got our final diagnosis, and I don't want to get too far ahead of that part, but the, the doctor there still to this day, she's, she says she's never, never, ever seen or heard of a case like mine. So at the time, 
we're basically struggling to find other places. You know, where can we go? Where can I get transferred to? Because by golly, we uh, we know we know what the enemy is, so we're going to fight. And I think after a, a, a couple of days of a pity party, we realized that that we did. We need to step up. Christy began searching for other hospitals, but hospitals that specialized in either demyelinating diseases or neuromuscular diseases. Because like I said, we didn't know exactly what we had, but we know what it was doing and how it was damaging my body. She came across a um, foundation. It's the GBS CIDP Foundation. If anybody needs any information in regards to those type of diseases, a great, great resource. So that, uh, that, was, that kind of started our search, and Christy found several facilities here in the United States, a couple in Boston, one in Houston, one in L.A. I believe there was a couple in Europe. And, of course, look, hey, we were considering anything at this point. As God would have it, we were blessed with a hospital here in Alabama that is uh, researching neuromuscular diseases such as that. So, hey, you know, we'll just go ahead and <laughs> we'll just go ahead and get an appointment, right? It's that easy. Go in and get to see the doctor. But really, is anything that easy? So Christy calls up there and, uh, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll take new patients. And, but we can't see you till next January. So, again, remember, this is the last week of March of 21. And they are wanting the earliest appointment they, they can get us in is January of 22. Any, any encouragement we were feeling up to that point to turn to discouragement, and it just left us, you know, and now we hadn't given up, but that road had seemed to end. So we were working with the hospital staff, case management, to try to find uh, some facilities to get moved to, to no avail. And with that being said, the doctor had become a little bit elusive. So not much improvement, uh, really actually no improvement during this stretch. And, uh, you know, of course, well, I just talked about how they changed my diagnosis. And we are now going with CIDP. But uh, I'm trying to get more specific answers out of the doctor. Just not, not getting it, you know, not getting what we need. So he, uh, like I said, he's kind of just being vague, avoiding. So after, uh, I guess, about a day, day and a half, you know, I finally said, hey, well, well, you know, <laughs> what do you have to say? Seemed like he was avoiding telling me something. And I, I'm like, you know, if, if it's bad, I want to know. Hey, if it's good, I want to know. But uh, of course, we know at this point, not much good was happening. So uh, with that, he, he literally tells me he has no idea what's going on. We're calling it CIDP, but he says it doesn't act like CIDP. And he wanted to do uh, another MRI in my brain. Just to double check, make sure we wasn't missing anything in regards to uh, multiple sclerosis. Hey, you know, glad to try anything at that point. You know, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. 
He sets up to send me home, says I can, I'll be more comfortable at home since there was no improvement in the hospital, and he could send home PT to, to work me out, and at least I'd be comfortable during all of this. And of course, the goal was that we would find more information or he would come across something that would help point this in the correct direction or point us in the correct direction. So with that being said, life's about to shift gears. That last day in the hospital, the hospital case managers helping us set up things like sitting service because Christy has to work and I can't take care of myself, so somebody was going to have to sit with me. We were going to need, you know, wheelchairs. Did we need a hospital bed? Things like that, right? Good old bedside potting. All, all the things everybody should have at their house, right? We get, the, we get these things taken care of and, and make arrangements during that day. And to be honest, I was so ready to go home. At this point, I had already spent 35 days in the hospital for 2021. And that just seemed like an eternity. I'll be honest with you. It just, at that point, it, it was almost like, like Groundhog Day. It just seemed like it would never end. Of course, looking back on that time, after spending four and a half months total in the hospital, that, uh, hey, that first 35 days probably wasn't, wasn't that long, was it? So I'm going to go ahead and uh, kind of wrap up this discharge with a great story. And my wife would, would be unhappy if I, I didn't tell it, but it, it, at the time, it, it had us both in tears. In hindsight, it's, it's, uh, it's a great story. Right, being discharged, doctors like go home, be comfortable. Right, we'll figure it out. But in the meantime, I have no clue what's going on with you. Go enjoy your life. Right. So, on the way home, I uh, had my wife stop at our favorite Mexican restaurant because, by golly, when when you get a jailbreak out the hospital after all of those weeks, it's time for just Mexican and margaritas. Right. So we get to the restaurant. And again, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair at this point. I, I can walk very little, and even in it, it's with a walker. She's going to wheel me in, so we get in a wheelchair, wheel into the restaurant. Except I almost cannot get from the wheelchair into the booth just to kind of slide over. Kind of, You have to go you know, maybe like three, four inches over the wheel. Would have never guessed it, but sitting that low, what little leg strength I had, wasn't going to do it from down there. So that was kind of a, a rude awakening for us. But we still enjoyed our dinner. So we sat and had our dinner and an adult beverage or two. And we go to leave. <laughs> we can't get me back in the wheelchair. So I'm in the booth. No matter how we try it, it's just not working. And uh, we're getting creative. And we got a little help. And ultimately, what probably took 15 minutes, felt like it took an hour. We got in the chair, heading out to the restaurant. I realized, hey, I've got to go to the men's room. So, well, you know, no biggie. How bad can that be? So Christy rolls me in there. And thank God for handicap stalls and get in the bathroom and use the bathroom and can't get me back up. <laughs> Can't get me back up to get in a chair. So here is myself, my wife, our wheelchair, tons of tears, even some laughter while we're crying. 
because this is what our life is going to be like, right? This is what we're staring. And you just almost had to laugh just to really do, to, <laughs> to not have a breakdown, right? So, again, 15, maybe 20 minutes stuck in that bathroom stall and we'd get back in the wheelchair. You know, I get back in the wheelchair and she, <laughs> she rolls me out to the van and we get to the van and guess what? Hey, you got to stand up to get in the van, right? Because we don't have a wheelchair van at this point. We just have our regular, uh, our regular van, uh, minivan it is. And <laughs> so 20 more minutes, you know, ultimately get in the van. I can get up, get in the van. And of course, just completely exhausted, but not fully understanding this disease at the time, not knowing what using that extra energy would cause. So we get home. It's about 10 o'clock at night at this point. I am so prideful, or at least I was at the time, that I want to walk, insisting that I will walk into my own house under my own power. And uh, Christy's like, hey, you know, I'll get you, <laughs> I'll get you the, the, the walker then, you know, if that's the case. Since you, you won't let me put you in the wheelchair. And uh, I'm like, oh, you know, no, I can, I can use the, you know, the vehicle and the walls, and, and I'm just going to walk right into the house. And I'll get in the wheelchair in the house. Because we had a little step up, and we didn't have a ramp yet. Uh, I guess to speed it up, but we go to step in the house, and I make it from the, the car to the, to the door in the garage. And I go to step up. And my leg that I'm using to step up just completely gives out, and I'm going down. And uh, Christy threw herself under me so I wouldn't hit the floor. So <laughs> I'm kind of like at this uh, stuck down, like almost like a duck walk with my knees almost touching the floor. Christy is laying under my legs and holding up my torso with her hands. And... We're both looking at each other again, laughing, crying. We realize there's not much we can do in this position. There's no way I can get up. And she's laying under me, so there's no way she can help me up. So I tell her she's going to just have to let me fall. And uh, ultimately she did. And we did that the best way we could do as a team. And uh, I will tell you, when you're falling face forward on the floor and you don't have the ability to get your hands up, even though you know you should do that. It's, uh, it's not fun. So I had a little face plant, and uh, as I was laying there on the floor, I kept thinking about some words that one of my physical therapists at the hospital where I just got discharged from, she had told me, she had caught me standing up in my room without my walker. She was, uh, she was so livid, so... She told me, she said, you know, you will fall. And I said, oh, no, no, I, I, I know. You know, I, I understand. She goes, no, 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 you, you don't understand. I'm telling you, you will fall. It's not if you're going to fall. You will fall. So you need to take the appropriate action so that don't happen. So as I'm laying on the ground after my first fall, on the same day I get discharged, there's no way to get me up off the ground. You know, at this point, Christy's exhausted, right? We, we've been at this 
in one form or another now for well over an hour. And I'm worn out. She's worn out. But thank God we had a, a friend staying with us who was keeping an eye on the house and uh, while she was doing some travel nursing. And we were able, she was home. So Christy was able to wake her up. Again, you know, for those of y'all don't know, I'm, I'm 6'3", and at the time I was probably like 290, right? Not exactly, you know, uh, two small women going to just yank me up off the ground. Thank God, again, for, uh, for friends. My old paramedic partner, Jason, lived nearby. Woke him up. Thank God he wasn't on duty and got him to the house. So the three of them, along with my gait belt and a lot of technique, because you got to remember, this is three healthcare providers who know how to lift somebody. And uh, it, took, it took two good college tries. But after that second college try, they were able to get me up and into a wheelchair. Laugh, cry, whatever was going on, because there was so much emotion. But it was just sinking in that much more for me that this is the life I, I guess I'll be living because we didn't, we didn't have any idea that this would ever change. So, again, a rude awakening for that. So here we are, April 1st, 2021. April Fool's joke. I wish it was, but it wasn't. So as you can imagine, going to sleep that first night at home was very difficult. So many emotions and just trying to process it all. It was so all so new and it made it tough. So here we are, April 1st, and we have some decisions to make, right? We have to get a sitter because Christy only has a, I think she at this point, she had maybe two days off at this point to help get settled in. So we, <laughs> we find a sitter service. And like I said, that's interesting to say the least. But um, turned out to be a sweet young lady they had. Uh, I think she was about 30. And we just kind of come from polar opposite ends of the world so to speak. And she was so, so kind and so understanding and, and just was really good. So not that I, I ever thought I would find myself in a situation where we needed somebody to sit with me because I couldn't take care of myself, you know, but here we were, right? So luckily I had found a good one. Again, it's still so overwhelming. So she would stay with me uh, for, I believe it was like eight hours, eight and a half hours, so Christy could go to work and come back. And that, that made that work. So we're going through uh, the first week of April. Again, and this is, you know, as far as I know, this is the first week of the rest of my life like this. So we're just, you know, one part of us is looking long-term and the other part of us can't see past the next five minutes because it's just so overwhelming. On April 8th, 2021. So I've been been home a whole seven days, seven and a half, actually eight days. I'm sorry, because I got off on the 30th. I had been deteriorating for a couple of days at this point. And the night before, so on the 7th, I actually got stuck in our recliner and uh, couldn't get out to get in the wheelchair or the walker, you know, to get to the room. So with that being said, here we are on the morning of the 8th, and uh, Christy goes to work, the sitter comes. And, you know, I'm telling her that, that I, I'm getting a little weaker. And just so, because, you know, she, she does, she helps me when I need to move. So sure enough, about 10 o'clock in the morning, 
I need to get up and, you know, go to the bathroom. I don't know why all these stories <laughs> include the bathroom, but you'll find a theme in that. So she puts my gate belt on and she brings the walker in front of the chair and maybe look kind of with her help as she's pulling up and, and kind of using the, the rocking chair to, to swing my body momentum up. And I stand up and here I am with my walker. And, you know, hey, we just kind of make sure my legs are under me before we walk away from the chair because you start planning on where you're going to fall at this point. Uh, it's something you start realizing. I took uh, one, two, maybe, you know, four steps, right? Just, just walked away from the chair. And my legs both gave out. And I fell straight down and then straight back and smacked and bounced my head off the hardwood floors. Which, you know, it's its own concern by itself, except in my case, I'm taking high doses of blood thinners because I have a blood clot in my lung. Hits on the head like that are not good, right? So I'm laying on the floor. This young lady has no way to get me off the floor. And I tell her, I said, look, you know, we're going to have to just call 911. Fire department will come out and, uh, you know, do a lift assist and get me, get me put back in the chair. So she's panicking, right? She's like, I got to call my boss. I got to call my boss. I'm like, no, no, no. You got to call 911. You know, we call your boss after we get me off the ground. And so she gets her phone. She dials 911. I'm feeling so good about it at this moment until she takes the phone and puts it down on the ground next to my head because she's too nervous to speak to 911. And so, again, I'm, I'm laying on the ground, and I'm, I'm scared that, that I may have injured myself with a little head bleed or something. but. You know, got to stay cool, stay calm. And <laughs> I just had to laugh. You know, here, here she is uh, throwing the phone down. So I, I speak with dispatch, the operator, and, and I get uh, some help coming. Of course, our, our local fire department here is, is very good. And uh, they showed up very prompt. Uh, of course, I, a couple of the guys on the truck I actually have known and worked with in the past and even had a hand in their training. And so it was good to see some familiar faces. The look on their faces, though, when they saw that it was me and that I was on the ground and I was partially paralyzed, they, uh, you know, hard to believe it's the same guy they used to work and fight fires with and do EMS with. So it was kind of an interesting moment for all of us, and, and they helped and got me up. I let them go. You know, they checked me out, of course. Again, my pride is like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Y'all don't worry about it, guys. And, uh, you know, sign a little refusal and, and they get going, right? Same paperwork I've, I've had signed probably thousands of times. Or, you know, cases definitely where I've, I've helped people off the ground just like that. So, again, it's very surreal to be on this end of the, you know, healthcare or the process, whatever you want to call it. I am up in the chair and I realize that, you know, I need to go to the ER. It, it, by then, I'm having some pretty severe neck pain, headache, just unbelievable. And uh, to be on the safe side, right, I got to make sure I don't have a head bleed. So I uh, call up a, a private EMS service here in the area. And uh, I'm going to say the finest private service here in the area. And they, uh, they came and scooped me up and brought me to the hospital. So here I am back to the hospital that I was just discharged at eight days before. But now I'm in the ER, and this is where uh, 
This is where gods work in mysterious ways because it's, at this point, if you can imagine this fall, you know, besides for the fact that I'm worried I may have a head bleed, that here I am, that's two falls in a week. And, you know, my condition's getting worse. Neurology still don't have any answers. And this is, this is kind of where we're heading, right? So now I'm in the ER. I'm just about as low as low can go at this point, right? It hit a whole new low point. And thank God for a, not only a good ER doctor, but a good, a good Christian man. He was familiar with my case. It's, of course, I was at that hospital before, but it's a doctor I've known uh, professionally through, through EMS and the fire service for years. And he, uh, he come in, we talked about my case, and he asked if uh, we were okay with getting transferred up to uh, UAB. And UAB stands for University of Alabama Birmingham Hospital. It's about four hours north of where we live. Of course, if you remember, I told you about my wife checking in for the hospitals to go to, and this was one of them, that we couldn't get into till January of the next year. So, of course, immediately, we, uh, we agree. They had already scanned my head. We were waiting on results from that, and so everything was kind of happening quick. And the ironic point, point or part is uh, the job I was working when I got sick, the job I was working full-time was in a transfer center helping people get transferred into our facility there for specialty care. And now I'm having somebody try to get me transferred to a specialty facility. So thank God, no head bleed. And we're laying there just, just waiting, right? He's, he's trying to get us transferred. And after a few hours, he comes back in. He says, well, they, they won't take you, but I'm going to keep calling. I'm not going to give up. We're, we're laying there in the ER, and oh gosh, he comes back in. I think he was on call number three with the doctor up there, and the doctor was still refusing to take me. Doctor felt that the case was not worthy of their time up there, I believe, was one of the problems. He said, oh, now y'all can do that down there. But the ER doc was trying to explain to him that none of the doctors down here had a clue of what was going on, and my condition was deteriorating. So. He was the best patient advocate I could have ever asked for at that point because his persistence ultimately got me accepted to go up to UAB. And that was, that was a big shining moment. What really made a difference at this point, too, is as we were wrapping up and, and getting ready to ship out, uh, that physician also came back in my room and asked if it was okay to pray with me. And pray for me. And of course, you know, I said yes. And uh, I'll just, I won't share the, the prayer. It was a personal moment with us, but to have a physician stand on side of the bed and, and know that his faith and for him to, to be proud of it and to share it. And it was, it was inspiring and it, it helped at that point um, bring me some peace and some calm because even though our prayers were being answered, to be transferred to a, a more, how would you say, be transferred to a, a better facility or a more specialized facility, it's just, it's just still so scary and so overwhelming. So with that being said, a friend of mine with the private service here in uh, this area 
they came and he personally, along with one of his supervisors, they took me for the four and a half hour ride up to the hospital. And that was done that evening. So I believe they got me all tucked in bed up in Birmingham at about 12 o'clock. So midnight, maybe a little bit before, a little bit after. And there we go. Life changed, right? That quick. Now I'm in a whole nother city. My illness is worse. And we're just hoping and praying for answers. And I'm at a hospital that didn't even want to take me in the first place. I'm going to go ahead and and wrap it up here because the adventure really, really starts after this. I do want to thank everybody again for listening. This is helping me to talk about this all again, and I hope it's inspiring that uh, to let to let you know whatever you're going through in life, don't give up. You can push through it, and God will make a way. You just have to trust and have faith. So with that being said, I promise I will get episode three out sooner than two weeks. Again, I apologize. Uh, after the vacation, there was a little, little delay. and uh, But we're back to 100% and, and so happy to have this out. So with that, remember, live your spirit. <laughs>